Hi, it's Jeff Cullen and Mark Hughes. Hi. This is episode eight of the Connect 2 podcast. Yes, it is. Marcus. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm good. Long time no see. Yeah, we just saw each other on the weekend there. Uh, we were doing some uh, some camping, family camping with some uh, quite a few folks. And it was, boy. It was nice. It was nice group camping. Absolutely wonderful to be getting back into uh, social life and connecting and not wearing masks Uh of course, everybody was double vaxxed. double vaxxed, except for the kids. So, but yeah, that was a very nice time. That was really good. Yeah, yeah. I enjoyed that. That was lovely. And so here we are on episode eight. Yeah, and we're doing said, great. They said it would never last. Some Netflix series don't <laughs> last as long. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so. So, uh, what's, mail what's in our mailbag? The mailbag, you know, the mailbag is empty this week. I'm, I'm sad to say we were so excited about our, our first piece of mail. Well, but people can connect with us on our Facebook. That's page. right. So on our Facebook page, uh, also, uh, we have the, uh, direct email address, connect to podcast at Gmail yep. on Facebook. And, uh, after today's episode, I'm planning on putting the tips on to the the Facebook page. So if you're interested, you can follow up there. That's right. Like we said, we're, we're going multimedia. And uh, as we are doing this podcast, if you have the opportunity to subscribe, that would be great. And rate and review us on iTunes because that helps us get found by other people. Yep. That would be awesome. Yeah. So. So what have you learned this week? What are the two things I learned this week? I learned two things. Okay. Well, I've learned many Only things. Only two things? Many things. But among the things that I've learned feel like this is the start of a Monty Python sketch, <laughs> um, was why people use cast iron frying pans instead of stainless steel frying pans. And it's because cast iron uh, provides you a lot of uh, material, so you get uh, a heavy bottomed pan okay. at a fraction of the cost of stainless steel or aluminum even. Really? So yeah. So it's basically it's a cost thing. So there's a real advantages to having a, and I'll talk about it in my tips. But interesting. Uh, but yeah. that is the main reason why cast iron. One of the main reasons. There's this guy. His name is Adam Ragusi. Okay. And uh, he's a YouTuber. And um, I saw him after watching an interview with him and Kenji, who's one of my favorites. Oh, yes. On YouTube. And uh, the two of them interacted. It was quite interesting. Very different personality. Oh, my God. They're very different. But they get along quite well. Nice. And it was really quite interesting to listen to them uh, interact. And uh, I watched a different episode uh, with Adam. And he was talking about cast iron frying pans. It was quite interesting. It's worth a listen to. He, <laughs> he's a, a former newspaper reporter. So he uh, and, uh, and his big thing is he cooks at home. So it's all about him <laughs> cooking at home. Um, but with this approach from a newspaper perspective. So cool. it's, so he actually went and contacted a cast <clears throat> iron frying pan manufacturer, the be the one that makes the best ones wow. uh, in uh, the world. In the world, a and, sure. And uh, it was in, I believe it, it was in a South American country. I think it might have been Venezuela. Huh. So, so he's talking to them, and they were surprisingly forthright with some trade secrets. Some trade secrets, yeah. So it was quite interesting. Well, I I have personally been banned from, from washing our cast iron pans. My, my wife had a cast iron, or has, a, that she got from her grandmother. And as you know, th these things, uh, you know, they build up like layers of, of whatever. It's and called a patina. If, and if you wash it, 
and I did that several years ago and completely ruined it. And it, we still have not reconditioned it you know, sufficiently it, yet. So you, you, when it comes to every time that it needs to be washed, she gives me the dirty the dirty look and I'm not allowed to touch it. I would suggest you watch this YouTube video from Adam because he explains how to condition it, okay, how to wash it. Yeah. And uh, the fact that washing it does not actually ruin it. What ruins it is something a little bit different. Well, I will take a look. But uh, I, all I know is I'm uh, I'm still in the doghouse. <laughs> cast iron pan wise. Well, uh, <laughs> old cast iron pans from 100 years ago are, are generally still in use uh, or usable even to this day. Even if they're quite rusted, they can be yeah. claimed. No, I know. It's amazing. Uh, so the second thing I learned was that new RVs are not like new cars. New cars, oh. you get in a new car and generally right. everything works. Um, new RVs, not so much. <laughs> There's usually something wrong. Um, I have a, a truck camper that's uh, one of the brands that ha supposedly has fewer things that go wrong with right. it. But I still had a few things. Uh, a door lock that was installed upside down. Uh, wow. Yeah, it was. It took five minutes for uh, for the guy to fix it. but Still. It should have been yeah. caught. Well, I think you and I were, were talking about that on the weekend, and we were hypothesizing that because the Japanese don't build motorhomes and RVs that uh, maybe we're a little sloppier. Than well, and apparently... Not so much competition. Apparently RV uh, appliances are also, um, are, are also just of inferior quality compared to other kinds of appliances. Like, right. And it's, it's kind of along the same yeah. lines. Well, I, I think you pointed out, and I knew this, that there's only like two, maybe three companies that really make like 95% of the RVs, Why even though they have different brands, but it's not like there's a ton of competition where they're like, uh, better step up our game here. Yeah, when when I went to the <laughs> RV dealer, there was a tech, technician there, and he was telling me that uh, right. that two, two, there are two big companies that own most of the brands, Right, and it's yeah. like 90 or 95% of the market. So. Oh, well, you know, there you go. So what two things did you learn? Well, I did learn uh, just how much sodium is in everything. So Sodium? Well, we were talking, you know, I think early on in the podcast that uh, I've been diagnosed with uh, high blood pressure. I think you said you had some high I, blood I pressure have, too. Uh, I've definitely got, had it's, high it's, blood pressure. Yeah, I mean, it's under under control. But it's, and one of the things, of course, is is salt intake. And uh, so just a couple of days ago, I started paying attention to the sodium levels. You know, did a Google search and I think it's 2,500 milligrams for like a, like a normal, well, not that I'm abnormal, but a, but a non-hypertensive person. And for people who have hypertension, it's like 1,500 per day. And when you start looking at how much sodium is in certain things, it's, it's, it's mind-blowing. Like I can have like one quarter cup of yogurt and like one slab of prosciutto and I'm at like two thirds of my 1,500 milligrams a day. Well, like uh, cured meats for sure, uh, and and I would say that 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 it's really more specific to processed foods. So if yeah. you have uh, if you're using like uh, regular ingredients uh, like vegetables or oh yeah meats, yeah there, it doesn't have that no. but it's anything that's absolutely and and it's a, a taste thing right you get acclimatized to a certain level of salt and then. The next time you, in order to get that little kick from salt, you have to have a little bit more. Right, so. right. So, but I am going to talk about salt as well in my tips. Oh, there you go. So, so anyways, I've already cut out most sugar. Now we're going to go after salt pretty soon. I Sooner you won't have anything. You'll be right. eating rocks. <laughs> exactly. The other thing I learned, and, and going back to RVs, is that, uh, first of all, they haven't really changed that much in 
in many many years so we have one that is 1988 mm -hmm. and uh, you were showing us uh, some little tips and tricks that wow. you learned and uh, components are exactly the same They're exactly so yeah. stuff that we didn't know and we were like wow yeah the exhaust yeah. from his 30 year old fan over his, his cooktop is exactly the same as the brand new one that's been installed in my 2021 truck camper yeah. and with like exactly the pe like i'm sure you could take my part and put it on on your rv and it would work just fine because they look to be exactly the same shape and everything yeah exactly also interesting that you pointed out that it doesn't actually open <laughs> until you open it manually with some little clips and we were like whoa okay yeah, yeah that is uh, <laughs> that doesn't seem very good no it's actually quite stupid but <laughs> and mine you can't reach so yours is, you can kind of reach i could reach yes uh, Paulette is a little shorter, would have a little trouble reaching. Uh, it might be a stretch for me, too. But, but I definitely can't reach mine <laughs> on mine. So. so I have to use a big stick. <laughs> it's very high tech. I would like to cook or I'd like to boil some water. I need to go grab a stick. <laughs> there you go. Well, speaking of cooking. So yes. today's main theme is, I believe, pandemic pandemic born tips is that right 10 things to improve your cooking that i learned during the pandemic i am very excited to hear about it okay so uh number one number no. one <laughs> are we number starting one. are we starting at one or ten we'll are start we, at one let's okay okay so number one is knives knives so a lot of chefs talk about a lot of fancy cooker cook people like to uh <laughs> cook people <laughs> yes okay well i don't know what do you want to call them gourmands or uh hip hipster snobs foodies, foodies. No, i guess foodies are more eating oh yeah well, let's call be. them let's call them cooks they will chefs. talk about um there's basically there's been a glorification of cooking in the last little bit absolutely and a lot of people say well you know you really got to improve your knife skills okay and uh, so there's two parts of that. One is right. you need a good set of knives. That's really important. That makes a huge difference. Right. But knife skills have got to do with how you can chop a lot of things quickly without skewering yourself. Uh -huh. Cutting off digits. Right. And um, the reality is when you're cooking at home, you don't really need those same kind of knife skills. Sure. Um, What's you, the rush? You, What's the rush? That's exactly correct. So if you're in a in a in a restaurant and yeah. you're you're chop you're chopping onions, you're not chopping one onion, you're chopping like fifty onions or a hundred onions because you're doing it for many, many people. Right. When you're at home, you're chopping one onion. Yeah, exactly. Right? So if you spend the time and being a little bit careful with your your cuts, you don't have to use those same sort of knife skills. So the bottom line is have sharp knives, have good quality knives, and they'll knives. last forever. Right. Um, but, uh, and the knife skills that you need are just, just take it slow. Cool. You okay. like those Ginsu that you can cut a, a shoe and a can and then a steak or? They're still around. <laughs> I know. You can still buy them. And they're apparently considered a reasonable value. Okay. Uh, but they're not very good. No. No. But they're good for the price. Right. And so, for cutting cans and shoes. Well, if you need to cut shoes. <laughs> so that was number one. What's number two? Number two yep. is uh, the best foods are made from the best ingredients. So, ah. I mean, it's not, su it's, it's not secret, but the bottom line is 
if your ingredients are good, your results will sure. always be better. And it's right. it's it's markedly different. Um, if you're using like um, the craft Parmesan that you get, yes, versus uh, you know in the high in sodium. Uh, <laughs> 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 I was just looking at that yesterday. <laughs> and, uh, versus uh, an actual uh, chunk of grand. Uh, Grand Paderno uh, Parmesan that you grate yourself, right. the taste will be sure. night, night and day. Absolutely, and really the you know uh, the cost dif- difference difference is, is relatively small. Yeah, because you're not you're not buying 50, 50 pieces, but that that improvement in quality is is remarkable. Cool. So, so, so knives, good ingredients, good ingredients, and number three, salt, salt. So my friend, salt is often attributed as uh, so salt has some chemical properties that really improves certain types of food. Um, So there's a reason why you brine um, like uh, turkeys or different Mm -hmm. types of meat, because if you let it soak for a while and um, it actually breaks down some of the muscle tissue and makes it uh, absorb water better as well as be be more tender sure so um you're supposed to be a bit more liberal with salt uh in certain things like uh pasta water and uh okay um, yep and uh and for brining meats but it uh but uh, again be judicial with the salt and use it strategically right so you you don't want everything salty because it's no good but um you know there's certain times when it's good to have a little bit of salt now are you a, a Partial to a coarse salt, uh, ionized salt. Well, I or use, do you I have use different, different salt, different use. I tend to use a coarse salt, and uh, in fact, we tend to grind the salt. Um, but, uh, but, but that's that's what I I use because then you get those little hits instead of like just everything salty. Right. Right. Cool. Okay. So number three. Number three. Salt. salt. Number four. Mm-hmm. When sautéing, don't crowd the pan. Ooh. So, uh, super important. Uh, like sometimes you kind of say, I need this much stuff for this size meal. Sure. And then you just shove everything in the pan and it gets super crowded. And yep. what ends up happening is you get very uneven sauteing. Right. So mm. things um, aren't touching the pan surface. It's all piled up on top of each other. Yeah. So you yeah, get yeah, something's yeah. cooked, something's not cooked. And right. it's just a bit of a mess. Sure. So the bottom line is if you're sauteing, make sure you have use a big enough pan or few enough ingredients in the pan to uh to allow space and that's particularly important with mushrooms if you're partial mushrooms which i am right so that's that's that was number four that was number four so uh, number five is sear the outside of meat Uh so um and there's different ways you can sear the outside of meat so you can do a reverse sear you can do a forward sear the idea is that a lot of times um you want to sear the outside to uh, uh, basically create a, a, a seal and a, a texture on the mm-hmm. outside, but it's not necessarily a good way to cook the rest of the meat, especially if you have a thick piece. Right. So a lot of times what people will, or what chefs will recommend is using an oven to, uh, to cook the inside. So the inside is even. In fact, you can use quite a low temperature to do a rever- what they call a reverse sear where you actually put the meat inside 
okay. um, an oven at a lower temperature for a long period of time, and then you take it out, and then you sear it at the end instead oh, of at the beginning. So the yeah. whole idea of it sealing the juices in right. is not super correct. It's more of a texture thing for, okay. for the food. But what's uh, really important is that you get it e more, a bit more evenly cooked. Sure. Yeah, yeah we've, I've been baking like all kinds of steaks the last eh, about six or eight months, and it's it's really good. Well, some like, people do that with sous vide. They'll actually cook the steak yeah. in the sous vide, and then they'll take it out and, yeah. and well, sear been, the outside. We've been baking pork chops, steak, and uh, it's a really nice way of making Like you say, it's even and really good. It so, is. It really yeah. is. Number six. Number six. Acids. Acids. Acids, freshened vegetables, Ooh. meats, and desserts. So if you desserts. Uh, so if you have uh, just um, if you have beans or peas or okay. carrots that you've just blanched or whatever, if you put a little sprig of uh, a little tiny bit of acid, so it could be like vinegar or lime juice or lemon juice or something, a little tiny bit, it'll bring out the color and it will bring out the taste. Wow. And it's a super subtle thing and most restaurants will actually do some version of that. It applies to any food, not just not just like vegetables or meats. It also applies really? to desserts. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. We respond quite well to acid. Acid, sure. And the acid balance is super important. So there you go. That's number six. S number seven. Trust done this tests over time. Sorry? So when you're uh, when you're trying to assess how done a chicken is okay. or a steak is, you know, use a thermometer. Um, time is not super reliable because you'll have different oh, you'll have different sure. heat so don't levels. just do oh it says fifteen minutes and yeah but and actually it'll be done in fifteen minutes, but it's it might have been done in twelve. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like my, my father in law used to do corn, he had this timer set and at sixteen minutes if you put the, this pot with this much water put so many corn um here's a corn into the the pot and uh -huh. in 16 minutes it was done and that was always correct but as soon as you use a different pot or a different amount of water or whatever it, you're it, off you're off. sure yeah, yeah so yeah. um interesting doneness trust your doneness tests and usually temperature is probably the most common and the easiest one to use nowadays right um that will get you your best results Cool. Um, always have some fresh herbs on hand. Nice. It really makes a big difference. And, uh, you know, in the summer months, you can grow your own. It's not particularly hard. Right, right. Um, and <coughs> it makes a huge difference. And just, uh, you know, some basil or parsley, cilantro, if you like it. My wife hates cilantro. But, <laughs> but uh, I quite some, like it. Some oregano, some thyme. It just makes things fresh. Whatever you got. It, it yeah. tastes fresh and it adds a burst of flavor that's just yeah it, you hard can really to, tell the difference you, you you can't really recreate that with yeah. dried no. dried versions no number nine I only got two left okay number nine sugar is a seasoning ooh is that right yeah so you know you you will notice it particularly in pasta sauces that uh, yes. a little tiny bit of sugar makes a pasta sauce go from being a little bit harsh right and with an edge a little bit that to, acidic to something to more something that is a lot more palatable and it's not that you're really trying to make it sweet you're just no. trying to change the chemical chemical sure. texture counter the acid a little bit basically exactly wow 
So sugar is a seasoning. Nice. And last but not least, going back to my cast iron pans. So the reason you want a heavy pan, heavy pans make a huge difference. Okay. Because what ends up happening is suppose you want to um, sear a steak. Right? Yep. And you have a light aluminum pan. You can fire it up, get it super hot, and it will be ready to sear. As soon as you put the steak in, the steak has a certain just ther- thermal mass. Sure. It'll suck away the temperature, and all of a sudden, the temperature drops on that aluminum pan. Ah, um, right. And if you're using uh, if you're using like electric stoves, those tend to cycle on and off. So if your timing is off when you put it on, the the element may go off, and now all of a sudden your 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 pan is basically getting cold because the element is off okay so you want to sear with something that has high thermal mass so a lot of mass can get hot and will hold the heat sure that's why another reason why you use cast iron pans there's two reasons you use cast iron pans the high thermal mass and and it's inexpensive to use and the second part is um as you develop the patina that your wife accuses you of taking off <laughs> uh, well, she was right it uh well there, that pan it, was shiny by the time i was done with it well they're supposed to be shiny they're supposed oh, to have a patina not, but not like no, this. <laughs> okay so they're supposed to have a patina <laughs> And you can see your face in this. That's <laughs> not right. <laughs> that that patina will act like a non-stick surface. Right. So it'll be exactly. very similar to like a non-stick skillet. Um, but um, it is, those are recoverable. It, it is really, you just basically just, it's a repeat process where you put a thin oil of, and the, one of the better oils is flaxseed oil is to go to use that. Oh yeah. And it will, and you bake it on and it, it will form this patina and you just, it's nice. kind of a rinse and repeat kind of thing, and you will build up the patina fairly quickly. So, cool. Although cooking in it will also put sure. patina in over it. time, yeah. As long as you don't cook like super acidic food, like tomato sauces. Ah, interesting. Those are very bad. For and if right. you have a bad, so if you've done if the if the patina is done using wrong kind of oil or um too thick a coating it will actually flake off Mm -hmm. yeah and that flaking off i have seen that is more of a function of like a a less than ideal uh seasoning technique right yes interesting well there you go 10 tips and so let me ask you this yes will your next book be some sort of cookbook no oh too bad well, maybe. You know, I do a lot of food photography as well. Yeah, there you go. That yeah, would be interesting. You could do that. a food photo and then and write up on technique combo thing. Yeah. Maybe get your own show. <laughs> <laughs> the Connect to Foodcast. That's right. <laughs> well, thanks, Mark. That's great. Um, and, you know, we've, we've known each other a long time. We've had our annual New Year's dinners for, shoot, well, we've... 27 years 26 years and you guys have done them even longer and well it started in 91 certainly have had the opportunity to sample some pretty exotic dishes over time and i can i can say unequivocally that when it comes to cooking mark knows what he's talking about so (laughs) well that's very kind of there you go so what media have you been consuming oh boy uh well you know i'm taking this um exit planning certification so they sent me two books and i'm uh, i'm actually reading those um so one's called the 10 trillion dollar opportunity which kind of represents the 
absolutely amazing shift of wealth that's coming as the baby boomers begin to realize that no they will not live forever and they won't be able to stay in their businesses forever either so i've been enjoying that and then i've been reading uh something on time and this is let me see it's called uh on the shortness of life life is long if you know how to use it by by seneca uh the the roman uh lawmaker and lawyer who's yeah, i uh, thought that was a college quite, in uh, Toronto. Well, yeah exactly what's well, named after him and I'm amazed how little we seem to have learned in like 3,000 years because you read this book. Now, obviously, it's been translated and updated, but it is so relevant just in terms of he talks about, you know, what at that point would have been wealthy, fat, white people. So things haven't really changed, no. <laughs> you know, working no, there's their more fat, every kind of people there. working their whole lives, hating what they do and then realizing you know, within those last few years that they had left that they've kind of wasted a bunch of their time. So the general theme of the book is be mindful, be deliberate, you know, don't follow the crowd, uh, think about what you're doing. And basically, if you're not happy, um, like Steve Jobs said, if you're looking at yourself in the mirror every morning and, and not going, yeah, I'm, I'm excited about the day, kind of maybe give it some thought. So very well, good stuff. Well, I have to say that part of the thing with and uh, part of the motivation for me to retire early was that um, we kind of, uh, you know, we're not particularly, you know, my wife and I aren't particularly uh, ostentatious and we don't spend a ton of money. And um, and what became obvious was that we were in a financial circumstance where we could continue working, but it wasn't really going to change our uh our financial situation very right. much and what what because uh, so we kind of achieved what we needed to achieve to be able to retire and more importantly is uh as you get older um so some people wait 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 i'm going to retire when i'm whatever 68 65 70 whatever and then they go to retire and um two things happen they don't really have a plan of what they're going to do. Yeah, exactly. And the other thing is, or they do have a plan. Their plan is to go travel like they were when they were 40. And the reality is when you're 70, um, things start falling apart. <laughs> and um, you're you're more likely to have some sort of illness or exactly. some sort of health issue that yeah. you need to deal with that may really significantly limit your ability to enjoy your time. Right. So for us, the part of the idea was to um, slow things down a bit earlier so we could actually start enjoying sure. it uh, while we were yep. still relatively healthy. Yeah, so. sounds good. Yeah. So for me, for media, well, there's yes. two things. Uh, as as uh, I'm not sure if I mentioned it in last week's episode, which just uh, dropped this morning. Right. So this will come out next Tuesday, which will be the beginning of August. Early August, that's right. Third we day. will... Um, uh, that uh, that I have uh, was accepted into a Premier Pro Creative um, Creative uh, Camp. Right. So there's about it's about a hundred people been accepted by Adobe uh, from around the planet, uh, different different kinds of people: Instagrammers, YouTubers, bloggers, vloggers, whatever. Yep. And um, they basically are teaching us how to use the tools a bit more effectively as well as how to be better storytellers, and that kind of stuff. Exactly. Now, I understand you have to you, you have to create a project. Well, I can do a pitch and the pitch is specifically to Adobe to, for them to take you on board as like a creative. Oh, resident. yeah. 
and um, so they will actually select. Uh, I don't know how many it is, but that they, would be they, cool. They've done that previously. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'm not sure if I have a project that I would like <laughs> to pitch, but this will be very helpful be, with my current ongoing project, which is my book project for Christmas sure. this year. Now, will you? I will challenge you. Will you post your pitch on our on our Connect to facebook page when it's done oh well i will have two pitches i'm going to have a pre-launch pitch okay and, and the actual launch pitch yeah so i i will certainly put that on the I facebook think that would page. be fun and um and uh yeah so we'll see how that goes but i'm getting there cool and uh the other media i'm consuming is well it's the olympics and i right. have to tell you this. the 2020 olympics in tokyo <laughs> yeah, that is a little disconcerting <laughs> Uh, to see to 20, Tokyo 2020 everywhere. Yeah. And maybe, you know, they, they could put like an X through it. Or a plus one. one. A plus they could have just installed plus ones everywhere. But uh, they've just gone whole hog and embraced the 2020 as if sure. we never well, lost. Well, we all know what's going on. Or most of us. Maybe some Senegalese uh, or uh, uh, not Senegalese. Uh, what's that island where the tribe is totally uh, isolated? Oh, uh, Sentinelese. Sentinelese. They might not know. About COVID, but I think everybody else pretty much. Well, that's because they keep killing anybody that comes yeah, and tell them about exactly. COVID. Well, can you blame them? <laughs> keep away. <laughs> they don't have COVID. Well, I have to say the CBC Gem app, which so we're in Canada, right? The CBC Gem app is pretty amazing. You can watch any event, past or present, like so you can watch the live events. You okay. can also, and so you can watch any sport. That's live. You can also watch replays of any sport that's already happened. It's right. it's remarkable. So if like how far back? You mean like in the during the Olympics? Yeah, yes, yeah, from the Olympics. Yeah. So, but it's uh, it's sh shocking how good it is. And um, now with the Olympic broadcasting, there's a few things that are a bit odd. There is no um, there's no spectators. So right. The, the, so it's a bit odd. It's a bit odd. The other part that's odd is. Uh, for some sports, so if you have like if you had like Great Britain versus France, you'd have you know commentators and all. That sure, stuff. I watched one though, which was um, it, uh, a men's volleyball team. It was uh, Iran versus Venezuela. Okay, there's no commentary. Really, there's just the zero. game. Just the game is just a straight feed. You just watch and you know it was okay to watch. What's but the logic of that? Well, it's not like a guy in a booth is going to be. Maybe they didn't let that many people into the country. Or they something. they really restricted how many people. Right. So there's no print media. Yeah. There's zero print media, and um, so even some of the broadcast media is broadcasting from other 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 places. So, so they're watching it on TV. Like watching the rest it on of TV and, and telling everything. Yes, exactly. That's not a bad idea. That yeah. might become a new thing. Right? Yeah. So let me ask you this: What kind of shorts are the men's volleyball teams wearing? <laughs> <laughs> so I I was wrong. It was not. It's not volleyball that had the shorts. It's a handball team that had the shorts controversy at the Olympics. I thought it was volleyball. No, apparently. So I knew that I knew that this had been an issue yeah, with FIBB. because it is with volleyball. Because I, I heard the okay. No, so 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 what you need to know is there are teams that wear, especially the women's team. There's a few of them. In fact, the Canadian women are probably the worst for having the most revealing shorts there are okay but they're not required to and in fact um they oh, were, they're, right. in fact at the previous olympics there was an egyptian team and they actually were all dressed you know, like completely covered up okay uh, the women's team and, sure. and including a hijab 
Yeah. And in fact, they had qualified for this year's Olympics, except uh, they were qualified until one of them came down with COVID, oh. and then they were no. Yeah, no that's going to be the end of that. So, uh, so uh, volleyball changed the rules and to allow huge range of oh what, okay what, i did uh, not most people don't know that no uh but that doesn't mean that some women don't choose to right, wear that right and honestly with the physiques that they have you know maybe they're a little proud of what they yeah do. i mean they do work hard um right. but personally um, i think i would go with culottes but the one <laughs> but the Props and pantaloons or maybe even <laughs> joppers, but that's just me. You'd look like a whirling dervish. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. The, um, I, I know way too many types of pants. <laughs> <laughs> it's hammer time. Um, the, uh, but the, the Norwegian team that, uh, that their controversy and was in the news, that's, right. that's team that's handball. Oh, the handball team. Yeah, so okay. apparently they haven't learned from uh, volleyball's errors of the past. Well, handball, I believe, is played like on a hard surface. No, this is some sort of team sand handball. Oh, really? Thing. Oh, okay. I, I don't really. I was going to say, because well, it's not a beach thing. Why would you, how I'm, would you argue you got to wear like bikinis? But maybe it's honestly, beach I'm not, ball I'm hand, not, I'm not handball. super familiar with what exactly handball, okay. but I know that the sport that the controversy is around is surround is handball is handball okay well there you go so um so that's the scoop on that all right and oh, what are we at well that's the media we're consuming okay so our next episode will be your episode your topic and yeah. it will be optimistic science fiction. optimistic science fiction yes um big star trek fans so that'll that'll be part of what we'll talk about but yeah just in general right and i think we've talked about how these things sort of uh ebb and flow and and a lot of sci-fi these last little couple of decades has been really dark and dystopian and uh, a lot of dystopian and so maybe it's time for because the, the new star trek series um uh with christopher pike yeah the new pike series the name escapes me all of a sudden new voyages these are the voyages you think i'd know that anyhow it's going to be much more a throwback to the to the positive uplifting you know, not not Pollyanna, but a little bit less dark than some of the ones that we've seen recently. Well, Discovery so. though went into the future, and things are not as happy, cheery as they were. Well, in exactly, the past. that's right. And then Picard's a little dark as well, and uh, that's true. Um, yeah. So now Lower Decks was better. More. Now in Picard, did they blow? Did did Mars blow up, or just part of Mars? It didn't blow up, but it was on fire. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was so good. Mars is burning. So again, the red planet. Yay! <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> that's right. If you haven't watched season one of Picard, don't bother. No, you know We've that's right. It. Exactly. <laughs> so anyhow, yeah. So we're going to talk about some 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 positive, hopeful um, sci-fi. Yeah, we we actually have it for Picard, by the way. There's a lot more to Picard. Picard's actually quite good. It's I pretty really, good series. Really I'm, I'm excited for season two. Yeah. With Q and uh, I just about gave something away there, but I won't. So, uh, and some old faces, right? Uh, Lavar Burton, I think, is coming. I think back. they're all old and, faces in there, especially uh, well, John, some John some John old Richard. friends. How, put it that way. I think Lavar Burton's going to be in it. Oh, um, he just hosted a Jeopardy episode. He guest hosted a. Jeopardy. That's right. So that's an interesting thing we can maybe talk about next time. There's all these people are are trying out to be the new host of Jeopardy and uh, um, some pretty big names actually. Like so, who? Like, 
Well, LeVar Burton was one. I, I can't. I, I remember seeing the list. I'll, I'll look into it. I'll, okay. I'll consume that media. Well, I'm but very interested. Yeah. There was some f- people you wouldn't expect. So. Okay. There Pe- you go. I will. Uh, uh, we'll wrap it up there. Yep. So, again, look for us on, you know, uh, ever, wherever you consume podcasts. Like us. Recommend Subscribe us. us. Uh, Subs- check out the Facebook page. And yeah, don't subscribe us. Subscribe to us. That's right. Like and, we, we'll uh, subscribe. Ourselves. Actually, you know, I think we have, we're up to five subscribers now. Six. On the six. Woo-hoo. There you go. But so. there are people who are downloading episodes. It's happening. So it's. Uh, <laughs> so we should break the century mark today. We appreciate it. Yes, we appreciate it, and I I know that uh, it's. Uh, uh, I mean, it's an we're all over the map, but I think the topics are pretty interesting. Yeah, so far, well. Uh, Send us some feedback if you want us to talk about to do something, something different or something specific. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So goodbye to all the guys, gals, and non-binary <laughs> pals, as Kenzie said. <laughs> okay, bye, Mark. Okay, take care. Bye.